It's the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. Here comes the money. When you hear the weird uh, edited version of the intro, you know that you're getting a Dean solo episode. That's right, everyone. Uh, Last week on the show, we had kind of made an announcement that uh, the Slack channel wasn't necessarily highlighting all of our uh, skills. Everyone on the panel, I mean, um, as most of our customers had pointed out. A lot of the plays were inputted by me in other sports, um, aside from football. Of course, we have all four of our great handicappers in the NFL, as you heard on the show, um, week in and week out, as well as Mikey and Chris, who were our additional celebrities, pretty much, giving in their plays week in and week out. They were all over the Slack channel, too. We've had massive success with the Slack channel, but unfortunately, as we were um, kind of displaying last week, This is not any of our full-time jobs. Um, Now, that's not to say that we're not a hobby and we're not experts, because I really feel that we have taken the step into being experts. Um, As you guys have heard, Zach won our Super Contest this year. I won the Big Bank. Our Slack channel has 100% documented picks. And overall, the channel, with over four or 500 plays, was around 59%. So we are very good. This is a little bit more than a hobby. So I think that the the real next step, and of course, we're going to get into it a little bit more on our Super Bowl episode, or maybe have some more evergreen content, which I'll get into in a second, where we really just want to uh, find a way to better use all of our talents, as we all have a lot of strengths, and a lot of it happens to be via the voice um, that you hear. I, we have 109 episodes. This should be 110. I'm not really even sure. But you I digress there. So this is a little bit of an expansion on that, and this episode that you're going to be hearing is going to be a little bit more towards what we're going to eventually be putting out as a catalog of bonus material via Patreon once we launch that. Of course, we will give you all the information on that on our social medias at WinningTAXPod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, We had a great week of football. Uh, It was a very fun episode, and of course the tempers are flaring for the Super Bowl episode that we are really gearing up to. Of course, it's my favorite episode of the year. It's my favorite game of the year. We do not get big games wrong. As we always say, we have insiders working around the clock for getting us some of the cool information, like the National Anthem prop is one of my favorites of the entire year. So it's going to be very interesting look to later in the week for for an episode like that to drop. Also, we have our DFS expert dropping an episode about the player pool for the Super Bowl. Of course, a lot of people like to be conventional. They like to take a total or a side on the Super Bowl. But I think um, getting at it via DraftKings, I know that our DFS people are firing off that they love the slate and the pricing came out. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Joe cooks up in the lab. So this episode is going to be broken down into two parts, really. There's going to be an evergreen portion, which I will separate out and post on YouTube as something as a, a little bit more of a novice how to, um, you know, be a successful gambler. It's how to grind a bankroll. Um, if you're a casual person where you just kind of come in here and there, drop 50 bucks on a game, win or lose, you know, you don't bet again for a while, you might want to skip that little portion. I'm talking about the people that are betting every single day. Um, So I'm going to give some good tips and tricks on two of my most profitable sports, the NHL, which is hockey, and college basketball. Um, It's very funny. A lot of people know how much I love college basketball. It's my best sport, I would say, from a profit standpoint. I was on fire earlier in the year with a 41 and 19. That fizzled off a little bit to, I believe, about 46 and 24. Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't have it in front of me. But suffice it to say, um, you know, I've been very successful in college basketball in the past, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of uh, my tips and tricks on how to 
specifically profit off of these sports coming up. So you're going to hear a little bit of a sound, and then it's going to kick over to the audio that will be on YouTube. Um, if you want, you can skip ahead. I'm going to have the, the timestamps in the show notes, and then you could get ahead to just my plays. I have four or five plays across these two sports that I think will help build your bankroll while you're waiting for the Super Bowl to come. So let's get into it. Welcome everyone to The Winning Ticket. My name is Dean. I am here to kind of give a little bit of an evergreen episode that we could kind of refer back to if you're a first-time gambler and uh, you want to start grinding a bankroll to you know kind of let your money work for you. This is, will be a good episode that you're going to want to bookmark. I'll get into a couple basic things. Of course, feel free to uh, click around and jump ahead and use this as a great reference. Uh, today, I'm going to be going into two sports that I like to bet on a lot, which is the NHL and college basketball. Those are the two um, sports that I really make a lot of my bankroll off of when it's not NFL season. And a lot of people typically forget that it's going on because a portion of the season of course, intersects with the NFL. So I like to use these two sports to kind of boost my bankroll and get ready to kind of blow it all in the big game this week. So if you have any questions, of course, reach out to us on Twitter at WinningTAXPod or you can comment below because this one's going on YouTube as well. Um, of course, I'm sparing you guys. You're not going to see my my mug this week. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've been told I have a voice made for radio and a face made for radio. I'm just kidding. I'm very handsome. So anyway, I'm going to be talking about some macro concepts. I'm going to go into the NHL, which is ice hockey. Um, of course, I don't know why I had to point that out. It, but, you know, I, I said this will be for, for beginners. So the NHL. Basically, there are three types of bets that you can make. You can make a money line, a puck line, or a total. Obviously, I'm not going to go into what money line and totals are. Um, you can kind of figure that out or a quick Google search to get you there. But getting into the little ins and outs of it. The NHL is like the MLB, where most of the value is on the money line. Um, typically, favorites are under minus 200. Most dogs are, are under under plus 200. So it's one of those things where you're not going to see a crazy shift. You're not going to be backing some of these plus like 380 dogs like sometimes we see in football. Um, so there are ways to make profit, and a lot of people see that these are a lot of um, you know short and and relatively shorter odds that they're going to try to parlay. I would honestly um, try to fade that a little bit. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things that I look for. And of course, I like to use some rules. I'm going to divulge even the tools that I use to kind of look up some of this stuff. Of course, I have my own uh, metrics and power rankings as well, which I would encourage you to do as well. If not, you could just continue, uh, hit subscribe, listen to me. I'll kind of guide you along through it. You could use my, my power rankings um, for this season. So getting into the NHL, there's not a lot of uh, tools that I give for money lines. Uh, typically, we'll we'll see the favorites kind of get a lot of the public play. Um, underdogs don't really get a lot. If you see some lines moving, you might want to kind of steer clear or just kind of do some more research on your own outside of the show to kind of figure out why um, things are going. Typically, it'll be an injury or a goalie matchup, which I'm going to hit on right now. Um, goalie matchups are actually how I determine if I'm taking a total or not. I know that there's a lot of metrics as far as Corsi 4 and Fenwick 4. That has to do with uh, puck possession and creating chances and things like that. I'm going to be talking about high danger chances in a little bit, which of course I use a tool called Natural Stat Trick. It's online. It's free, I'm pretty sure. Um, everyone could kind of go there. You could uh, break down it. It's actually very exportable to Excel as well. So that's something that I use. If you're not a scientist or a programmer or anything like that, like I am, you could just leave the work to me and I'll kind of guide you to the to the good opportunities for betting. I also use Daily Faceoff for line combinations. That's a great repository where a lot of the news kind of compiles up. Um, if you don't have Twitter or if you don't like using Twitter, you could always go to daily face-off to kind of see some lines, and um, it really helps for a DFS as well. But getting back into goalie matchups, um, there's 
Something that I like to look at is, um, of course, I like to look at save percentage, which basically is um, how many shots is this goalie facing on a nightly basis. Of course, you could have the best goalie in the world. If he's going to be seeing 40-plus shots, I mean, the, the, the likelihood of him getting in uh, or stopping all of them is pretty low. Um, typically, anything above a 900 or a 90% save percentage is pretty good. Um, you know, goalies kind of dip below that um, sometimes. It's one of those things that I kind of look. Um, it's kind of more name value. And sorry, I'm not. I'm not leading off with my most with, with my most data driven point here. But I like to look at some goalies. Um, for example, the Edmonton Oilers, it, by my power rankings, don't have very good goalies, and they score a lot um, on offense. So it's one of those things where the Oilers, I'm going to automatically be looking for overs unless I find a reason not to. Then I'll either pass or uh, it's very rare that you won't see me taking it under with the Oilers unless it's like something uh, insane like seven or even higher like some I've never seen it really higher than seven and a half and of course that's I, I think in that scenario I of course don't have it off the top of my head I think that there was some some major injury news and some weird implications going on with that one so typically totals are going to be anywhere from five and a half to six and a half um you know like I had said about the money lines and of course this is very generic finger in the wind um you will see teams sometimes that are going to be uh, minus more than 200, especially I know tonight, dating myself, time of recording, Colorado, I believe, is, plus, uh, is minus 280, or not 280, excuse me, 228, which is um, something that I would definitely not, pe- I would definitely pass off on. So that is actually a great segue into the puck line. So if you take a team, like I just said, Colorado Avalanche minus 228, um, you and you don't want to lay $228 to win something worth talking about, you could always go on the puck line, which is Colorado minus one and a half. And those are typically going to be plus odds. If you're doing minus one and a half, so basically the team has to win by two goals or more, if you're doing that for minus odds, then I would just say, you know, you kind of want to stick stay clear of that because, you know, anything could happen. But, yeah, this is a conventional spread that we see in football and basketball and things like that. We see, you know, uh, the team is so much better that they're giving, you know, a goal and a half here. Same thing with the underdog. They're getting a goal and a half. Now, that's something that's going to be my first rule. I never take an underdog plus one and a half. You can, but in my opinion, it's so fluky, the difference between one and a two-goal win, that taking plus a goal and a half for minus 200 or so, that's really not good. I do have an example that I pulled aside. Let's take a team that's minus 160 on the money line, and they're winning 2-3 to with three minutes left in the third. The trailing team, which would be the underdog, they might pull the goalie, which is a high volatility opportunity. Um, Typically, some coaches do three minutes, um, some do two, some, you know, they can't clear the puck and they can't get the goalie out. So, you know, sometimes you only get maybe 40 seconds of empty net time. But typically, I like the the coaches that kind of go for it and gamble and go for, you know, the four and a half minutes of empty net, trying to create an opportunity so that they could have an extra attacker to score and make it 3-3 and kind of play for overtime. But what ends up happening is that, of course, the net is empty, so there is a good chance that the favorite will score an empty netter. Now, of course, there is also the chance that the team just blows their doors off. Um, in the same scenario that I'm saying about the Avalanche, they could be they could win this game, you know, 5-2 to two and never have it in doubt. Or they could be up 4-2 to two and then score an empty netter. Um, so I do have some stats on, on empty netters in a little bit, but it is one of those things that I do look to um, certain teams that are, it's a good way to kind of get rid of the odds. And then also I, I like to think about how the game script is going to be. If it's an over game script, uh, 
you know, laying the one and a half is is okay. That's usually a good way to get at it. Um, if it's a team that's very uh, good at scoring, like, for example, I, I hate to pick on the Oilers, but let's use the Oilers again. If they get an extra attacker on, you know, now you have odd man rushes all the time, and it's one of those things where their goalie isn't very good anyway. If they can keep the puck in the zone and create more chances, they have a really good chance at scoring. If you take a team like the Rangers – and they pull their goalie, I think that there's a really good chance that they're going to be giving up an empty net goal rather than tying the game. So that's something that I kind of factor in. And, of course, you're going to get a better feel as you uh, watched more and kind of play more a little bit into this. So far this year, there have been 12 empty net goals, three of which have been scored by Philly. So I'm going to – I have the Flyers circled as a, a good favorite um, moving forward. And, of course, that's b- benefit of them having a pretty easy – I don't want to say easy, but a pretty – Soft division. I mean, they get to play the Islanders, Rangers, Devils, uh, Penguins. Uh, they get to play a lot of those teams on back-to-backs and stuff. And, of course, if you get, you know, two against the Rangers, two against the Devils, and then split with the Islanders, that could be a really good opportunity to score a lot and cover a lot. Um, so my whole thing, too, I again, getting back to the rules, I typically don't take money line teams that are longer than minus 180 unless I, unless I really feel strong and I want to do a parlay with some of those. Um, I already had said that, you know, backing the the team getting a goal and a half is really not very profitable, especially because you have to lay the minus 200. At that point, it's kind of similar to what Joe says on the NFL episodes. You know, if you have to buy a point or if to buy a goal, it's one of those things where maybe you're just forcing it and you should really just look to the other team because, you know, let's take this scenario. You get a team that's minus 180 on the money line, but the other team to cover is, you know, minus 160. You might just want to lay the 15 cents to a dollar and just, you know, take the favorite to win outright rather than hoping for a one goal game. It's a, it's really not a profitable strategy. And then my final tidbit on the NHL um, this year, and of course this is, it, it's a lot harder once I started talking to kind of, you know, talk about the NHL as a whole but not get team specific um, aside from my examples. Another great opportunity is if you really think an underdog will win, you could bet them on the reverse puck line, which is minus one and a half, because like I had said, the jump between winning outright and winning by more than one is actually pretty likely. So um, these are where you get those good opportunities where it's, you know, a plus 340 or higher bet that has a really good chance. Um, I know that a lot of times I would stick to kind of something just for me to follow along in my bankroll. I would do half units on one money line, one total, and then one um, puck line. You know, of course, laying the one and a half, not taking the goal and a half. So um, with those, some of those, you know, my standard unit size, um, you know, some of those have yielded about 14x on on those parlays if they actually hit, if you could do a round robin with some of those. And of course, I just want to get into, um, you know, when it comes to betting any sport, you're going to want to stick to a standard unit size. Don't bet outside your means. Um, like I had said in the beginning, you know, if you're just a guy that comes in and drops, you know, a 50 burger every once in a while, maybe maybe you you might want to rethink your strategy unless you're like 80% there. So, yeah, it's, it, this is kind of more for the everyday guys. You want to stick to your standard unit size. You want to go with something that, that you um, really like. Of course, on Action Network, which is an app, you can follow me. Um, I'll probably post what um, my username is. I believe it's something winning ticket related. I know my profile picture is. But anyway, you're going to see that I have, um, you know, hundreds of plays on on any given 30-day rolling. So I have a relatively small unit size. Whereas if you're more of a pick your spots better, like I know Joe is, I know John is, they have higher unit sizes than me because they, they really do like a five to six 
plays per you know week or month or so. So that's kind of my NHL tidbit there. I'm going to transition over to college basketball. Um, and of course, this is easily my best sport from a betting perspective. So really to kind of write down my rules, this was um, a little bit challenging for me. But here's what I kind of follow. First of all, you're going to want to check some of these tools. Uh, KenPalm.com is what all of the experts use. Um, it's a great database from Ken Pomeroy. Uh, he fills it out. I believe it's like 10 bucks a, a year to have it. Um, that's really the Bible for college basketball. Of course, there are some free ones. I know Torvik basketball is a good one, but that takes out pace, um, which I actually kind of use pace as a a stick, a measuring stick, and I know that there's also other ones like the net, and um, I believe the NCAA just has a regular old like stats website as well. But getting back to my college basketball rules, um, I like pace of play, and I think that this will be dictated by the guards. This is something that I kind of uh, prescribe to every single time that I'm going to bet. Um, I really think that college basketball is handled by the guards. If you have one that could dribble, penetrate, and make good decisions, not turn the ball over, things like that, um, you're going to win more often than not. And of course, I know you may be thinking, don't be overwhelmed by that. There's 357 teams. I don't expect everyone to know the one and the two guard. I don't even, I pick my spots. I pick a couple teams that I follow, and more specifically, I pick some conferences that I follow. I know the Southern Conference is one that I love. Uh, the Missouri Valley Conference is another one. And then, of course, the big ones that you could kind of uh, just search college basketball on your podcast app, and you will find a ton of different uh, podcasts that will cover the SEC and the Big Ten and things like that. But it's one of those things where, and, and that's another key um, piece that I want to say, uh, there are 357 teams. That means that there are 357 chances to back and 357 different ways to get at different things. I know that a lot of people um, sometimes turn their nose down at, you know, like a right state game or something like that. It's one of those things that these teams are playing and there are odds for it. Um, I don't really get the hate um, where, you know, people go, oh, you're watching the Missouri Valley Conference. Oh, you're watching the Southland Conference. Like the other day I was outside having a cigar listening to the Abilene Christian game. Uh, it's one of those things where I really don't care if there's odds for it. I think that there's good, good opportunity to kind of score some. So if you're only looking for the Power Five uh, conferences, unfortunately, that's not really my style. You're not really going to find a lot from me. Although I do pick my my spots very um, selectively with those. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Illinois backer this year. Might have a play on that um, a little bit later. If you want to follow on or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, the full episode's coming out with my actual plays. So I have two strategies, or I, it's a lot more than two actually, but I have um, kind of two different buckets of how I back teams. And let's start with favorites because this one is actually a lot easier to explain. I got a little bit carried away with my underdogs uh, rules. But for favorites, I like to back teams that are predictable. I don't like a lot of volatility. Um, that means not taking a ton of threes. I know this NBA style is kind of uh, coming into college a little bit. I know that um, you know we're going to talk about Alabama in the extended episode where you know they run pace and shoot a lot of threes. Um, another team that comes to mind are the Akron Zips who um, shoot a ton of threes. And it's one of those things where when they win, they could blow a team out. But when they lose, they, they have a loss to the 311th ranked team in the nation this year. So it's one of those things where as a favorite, I, I like to kind of steer clear of these teams that could really, um, you know, beat anyone in the nation and lose to anyone in the nation on a given night. Um, I look for teams that have high field goal percentage. Um, high amount of free throws attempted per game, and solid, a solid defense is a plus, but by no means like a prerequisite. I know that Iowa uh, kind of struggles defensively. I, I know that the, the little tidbit that I like to say is that they were a not a top 100 
defense on Ken Palm last year, but they were still ranked um, very highly. Uh, Iowa is one of those teams where they have a great offense, but not a lot of defense. So that kind of makes them troublesome as, you know, these big favorites. And then, of course, when I get talking about favorites, I like to say that I don't like to take double digits um, in conference play. And more specifically, conference play on the road, it really has to be a good scenario. So I just kind of have a rule of thumb, a little metric right here. If the team on Ken Palm is ranked more than 2.7 times their opponent, for example, Team 100 playing on the road as a double-digit favorite against Team 270 or lower, then I would actually take a, a, a deeper look at that and try to figure out, can they dictate the pace? Do they score very consistently? And, you know, what have you there. But typically for favorites, I like to avoid uh, double digits in conference games. I like to avoid double digits on road games unless it passes that uh, metric right there. Or, of course, you know, all of this has to be with a, a star that says, unless there are other mitigating factors. Like, I know with COVID, there's a lot of different guys in and out. I know with injury news, there's a lot that's kind of underreported. So it's definitely something that you could benefit from following us on Twitter. Or uh, I we don't really post injury news or anything like that. So you're definitely going to want to be subscribed to this channel where I could update you from a weekly Snapchat. And then also when we launch the Patreon, you're going to want to get on that because there's going to be more audio like this. But yeah, so that's really my, my favorite uh, kind of ruling. A lot of it is typically, you know, Based on my power rankings, this team should be, you know, let's just say finger in the wind. This team should be seven and a half. The books opened it at three and a half. That's a major discrepancy. I'll take that team all, all day long. Um, I think back to when Illinois played at Duke. Um, and that's another thing, too. The big blue chip schools still have a lot of name value. We see it in football with Notre Dame. We see it in the NFL with the Cowboys. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not really too privy in other sports. But in college basketball, typically we're going to see Kentucky, we're going to see Duke, we're going to see Kansas. Um, those are teams that carry like a one and a half to two points of value that just is completely not warranted. Uh, bookmakers sometimes know that if they put these names out, some some random people on the street won't even think any deeper than, oh, is Coach K still the coach? Okay, I'm going to back Duke. So it's one of those things where... Um, Kind of what I was saying off the top when it comes to conferences, um, I also typically fade some of these blue chip schools, and I have have a couple of plays about that. So, of course, I know that this is like my fifth tease of the extended episode, so you're definitely going to want to find us on anywhere you, where you get your podcast. But anyway, for underdogs, I go into three thresholds. Any underdog uh, that's getting between a half and three points, that's one possession, at which point I'll just take them on the money line. I, you're not, you're not going to see me taking a team plus two and a half. I'll eat those points for an extra, you know, couple cents to the dollar. If they are getting a bucket, I would gladly take them at plus 130 instead. I think that that's totally worth it. That's just a me personal thing. If you see some of those and you hear me saying, like, I'm going to take this team on the money line and you want to take those points, then go ahead and take them. But that's just kind of my, I wouldn't say that's a rule. I think that's more of a, you know, preference there. Any underdog getting three and a half to six, Points, I typically just pass. In my mind, you know, let's just say a four or five point game, that's still a coin flip. I can't really see, I don't see much difference between taking a team that's plus two and a team that's plus five. Now, there are some, there could be some savvy betters at home, you know, kind of pulling their hair out, but it's one of those things, like I said, rather than taking like the five points or the six points, I'd rather just either A, back the, back the favorite, or B, just pass it off and just say, you know, like I had said, there's 357 teams, most of them are playing there. I, I don't 
don't think there has been a lot of teams that have just fully said that they're not playing this year. So if I see a number that really doesn't sit well with me, I'll just go somewhere else unless it's like something like the national championship game or something where I, I know that I want action on it in some way. Um, I'll just pass it. So another point that, that I had made too is that if a team opens at plus five, the public will pretty much dictate to you whether um, you know that's right or not. Um, that will turn very quickly into a three or a three and a half or a seven and a half, depending on what the public does. And since it's the middle of January and football season still going on, golf just started up. The the betters are kind of uh, backing other sports. I just gave a, a NHL little recap in the beginning. So there are other sports. There's other ways to get um, some coin down. So I really think that these these lines are pretty sharp from now. So if you're backing a team that's plus five and that jumps to three and a half, I mean, you, you have a great ticket. If it goes to seven and a half, you might even want to back it again because uh, seven and a half is in my next threshold. Anywhere from six and a half to nine and a half, I like to find something that the dog does well. Um, if they have a rebounding advantage, if they could shoot the lights out um, or... Anything is way above their overall ranking. For example, Team 150 is top 30 in offensive efficiency. That's a big check for me to just research deeper. Of course, these aren't meant to be, okay, if you see this, definitely play all the time. Because like I had said all the time, you know, injuries, COVID news, um, things like that really matter. This is supposed to be just a rule of thumb type of episode of kind of how I break down things. And of course, like I have been saying, uh, and of course, I don't want to make this sound like a commercial, but um, once we release the Patreon, you know, things like these are going to be bonus content where you could listen to listen to me kind of go off on why I do some of these things. And I'll get a little bit more specific uh, coming up. So that's a good signal for me to kind of reach a little bit deeper and kind of see, okay, um, why is this team a nine and a half point dog? What's going on? Um, just recently, yesterday, I had the Citadel. Uh, they they were a nine-point favorite, and they won by about eight. So it's one of those things where, you know, I had them right away because I knew that they, they shoot the three very well. Um, and it's one of those things that I knew that they could put up points and that they had a, a rough go of it the last time out. I, I do have an example about the Citadel a little bit later. And then, of course, anything above nine and a half for underdogs, I look for three-pointers. And I also look for scheduling and injuries. Um, if this is, you know, their fifth road game in five days or – well, that's actually impossible, but like, you know what I mean? If it's like a bad home road split or anything like that, or bad scheduling spot, um, then I look for a three-point percentage. If this team could kind of stick around and be pesky, I mean, if you really think about it, in order to cover a 10-point spread, you just kind of have to hang with them the entire game. You're going to have some stretches where you give up a run, but it's one of those things, if you're a good three-point shooting team, then you could kind of, you know, knock down, let's just say you score a three, get a stop, and then score another three, then that's a six-point swing right there. So for underdogs, I typically skew towards uh, three-point shooting teams, and then for favorites, I typically stay away from the high three-point shooting teams. So it's one of those things that, that's just my reference, of course, you know, who am I? I'm just a guy who was 68% in our Slack channel, which of course we are sunsetting for uh, greener pastures here. Now, I just had mentioned uh, travel spots and home court and things like that. And I know during this COVID year, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, man, we're really talking home court. Uh, I know in the NFL, home field advantage was a really non-existent. I don't think home court necessarily matters in college basketball. However, travel and elevation and scheduling do. A lot of conferences are doing back-to-backs, which is, which is pretty rare. That's something that only the Ivies would do, which, of course, they're not playing this year. But um, some conferences are doing Friday night, Saturday night, back-to-backs. Others are traveling, um, you know, three, four days. Um, like I had said, I kind of buried the lead. This is this is what happens. I look at my notes and I just kind of jumble it all together. But the Citadel, they were a team that I backed at seven and a half. It jumped all the way down to six, so I thought I was on the right side here. But 
They started playing. They got blown out by 20. And it's one of those things that it was. It ended up being their fourth um, game in... No, excuse me. It was their third game in four days, all in conference. Tired legs equals less jump shots falling. Tired legs, harder to jump. Um, it's the same game snapshot. It's one of those things where Citadel, they're typically a good three-point shooting team. They shot 33% total from the floor. They shot 27 from three. They scored their least amount of points of the season by like 18. So it was one of those things where it was a bad schedule and spot. I should have backed the other team, especially because the entire public was on my side as well. So um, we all kind of got that one wrong. It's one of those things where, and that's another thing, you, you know, every time we would get a play wrong, we would always say, we're going to go back to the drawing board. We're going to figure out why um, things are going on like this. So it's definitely one of those things you want to look for traveling, scheduling spots, and you, you want to look for teams that have to go like relatively cross country. Like I had just said in the beginning, you know, hockey redesigned their division so that these teams don't have to travel very far and very frequently. College basketball, some kind of go all over uh, these conferences. Sometimes teams add and drop at a moment's notice. Well, not really from year to year teams add and drop. Like for example, uh, UConn is back in the Big East this year, so now they're playing a whole bunch of different teams and they're actually traveling around and stuff. So it's one of those things where you want to kind of pay attention to that. Of course, Ken Palm, Torvik, um, and just the regular old ESPN app, you can look to see how many games they've played uh, recently. You're going to want to pay attention to these dates. Or well, something that, that I've heard good feedback on is that, you know, some people just uh, mark these as their quote-unquote favorite team so they get push notifications every time they play. So you're going to gonna want to be paying attention to how often a team plays and what's that travel spot like. And then, of course, like I said, injuries, um, COVID, things like that. And then, of course, this is one that I don't really have fully fleshed out, but this is just a kind of a, a side little reminder. Uh, when betting either hockey or, or college basketball this season, uh, there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs and multiple games against the same team. I think that coaching and depth will really reign supreme here. Um, I love teams that, you know, have the familiarness with the other team that they're playing. Um, college basketball, I love it when it's an in-conference team kind of playing each other on a back-to-back. These coaches know each other, um, things of that nature. Same thing in the NHL where it's like, all right, this is a rematch, rematch of a playoff matchup from last year. It's something that these coaches, these players, they really know each other. And then, of course, it's a good way to assess the motivation. But the thing that I want to test, and I'm kind of holding up to the light right now for everyone to hear, is I like to think when these two, when two teams play each other on a back-to-back and they're relatively um, similar in skill, meaning that they're, they're not too far apart in my power rankings, I like to think that most of the time they're going to split. So, for example, if you get... Um, you know, a, a team in college basketball where they're playing a Friday night and Saturday night, if on Friday uh, team A wins by 10 and they were underdogs, the next day that's a good time to back the favorite because, one, people will look at the last game and go, okay, well, that team already beat them outright. I'm going to bet them on the money line. So then you're going to get the favorite at even a cheaper price than the day before, and really nothing has changed. It's just a, a reset. If anything, it's um, a little bit less depth and a little bit more fatigue. Once fatigue sets in, then it's just all pure talent there. So I love scenarios when it's dog wins the first game. I like to back the favorite, and then just in general, if the favorite wins, then maybe uh, take the other team with the, with the points. If the, Of course, that's very, very general. I'm going to be getting into it a little bit more. So hope you guys enjoyed this um, Quick snapshot overview about some of my betting strategies, of course, very macro concepts. So sorry if it was frustrating that I didn't really get 
too specific and I didn't give out any plays. So if you're listening via the podcast, just wait a couple seconds. I'm going to get into the plays for this weekend. If you're listening on YouTube, uh, welcome. There's going to be more content like this. So you're definitely going to want to subscribe and reach out to us on Twitter at WinningTXPod, Instagram WinningTXPod, and uh, find us on any podcast app. Here comes the money. That's right, we're back, and uh, here's the moment, really, that, that everyone's been waiting for, and of course, if you skipped ahead, then, uh, you know, whatever, you're, you're very eager to win, and so am I, but if you stuck around and listened to just the overall high-level um, things that I kind of look for in two of these sports that I'm going to be talking about, I hope you found it uh, to be some of value, and uh, without further ado, let's get into the picks. So, of course, re- time of recording is Thursday night, so that means that there are some games that the lines aren't officially out yet. I tried to wait until the um, optimal time to kind of get these all out. Uh, my my furthest away play, I would say, is Sunday, and um, I think a lot's going to transpire until then. So, for college basketball, of course, I'll, I'll record these as often as I feel warranted. Of course, if a number is way off, you know, come Saturday or Sunday, at, from this episode, of course, just uh, reach out to us uh, on social media or you, whatever. You know, don't don't get your panties in a bunch if the number is not exact. I'm going to try to cover a little bit of a wide range. So let's get into it. First game that I'm going to go for, I'm actually going to go in the NHL first. I'm going to go tomorrow, Friday, January 29th. Give me the Chicago Blackhawks minus 110. It's a good travel spot. Chicago's coming home from Nashville after losing twice to the Predators, who are not a spectacular team. They're they're kind of you know middle of the road. Um, a lot of people think that they might contend for the final playoff spot, whereas Chicago is kind of tanking this year to get a good draft pick. But you know they have a lot of good veterans that you know I don't think got the memo that they're tanking. So actually, it's funny. Last week on the NFL pod, um, you know one week ago, I had the Blackhawks in a bounce back spot against the Red Wings. Well, guess what? They swept the Red Wings in a two game set, and then they got overtime losses against the Predators in both games, so they got points in every single game. Now I'm going to go here to Chicago, back them against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have a home road back-to-back. Yes, they just traded for Patrick Laine, but he probably won't be available for Saturday. I think it's one of those things where um, Chicago now, today is their day of rest. Columbus is playing today. They both played the same number of games with seven, not saying that fatigue's going to play in by any means, but it's got to be something hard where you know Columbus is playing right now. After this game, they're going to shower up, get on the plane, go to Chicago. It's kind of a travel spot. You know, they're going to be sleepwalking through their early morning uh, skate. And then from there, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see some heavy heads and tire legs, especially with some some trading going on. Uh, They just traded Pierre-Luc Dubois. So maybe some players hanging their hats, kind of thinking, okay, you know, last year they were in a great playoff series against the Lightning. Maybe they're thinking long-term this team is going to try to retool, and maybe this year's a little bit of a, a waste. That's not why I'm backing them, though. Uh, through seven games, Columbus is their 26th in high-danger chances created, while Chicago are sixth in the same metric. Chicago had a real problem keeping the puck out of the net the first two games, and have since they've really settled in, uh, You know, like I had said, smashing the Red Wings twice in a row and then playing two under games against the Predators. Um, it's not impressive that the Predators kept Chicago out of the back of the net. It is impressive that the Blackhawks kept uh, Nashville to three goals the other night, and then um, the other day they they lost in a shootout. So it's one of those things where the goaltending's been a little bit up above. They create high danger chances. Um, I really like Chicago in this spot here. Um, and again, like I had said during the YouTube portion of it, if you've listened to that, it's one of those things where I really like two teams that are relatively even playing a, um, a two-game set. I like 
I like to think that the teams are going to split. So if on Friday, if Columbus ends up winning, then I would probably back Chicago on Sunday. Um, but if everything goes according to plan where Chicago wins on Friday, a little bit of a bonus play. I like Columbus on Sunday then because these two teams, they get a Saturday night off and then they play again. So it's going to be, I think that this is going to be a 1-1 split either way. And I, th I really do like Chicago on Friday. I think that, you know, given the, the travel spot, I think it's a good spot for them. And then, of course, on the 30th, which would be Saturday, I like Tampa Bay minus 165 or the puck line, which, you know, of course, isn't available right now. Um, it's one of those things where who are they playing? They're playing the Predators, something that I, just, I had just mentioned that they were kind of unimpressive, not creating a lot of chances against a team who previously were giving up five goals a game pretty much um, until they played the Stinky Red Wings. So it's one of those things where uh, the Predators really underperformed playing most of their games at home so far this year. They really do have the, the reek of a 500 team this year. I know a lot of people think that they're going to challenge to be the four the fourth spot in their division to get in. I don't necessarily know. I don't have the teams off the top of my head. But uh, the Predators are kind of average. And Tampa Bay, yeah, I think they're going to regress this year. I mean, I have them points total under on the year. They kind of shoved that right up my ass so far. They're 4-0 playing right now, who I actually I've picked against them again. But it's one of those things where I think Tampa Bay is just the, the far superior team, especially if we if we see Pecorine in the net. Uh, UC Saros kind of did all he could the last two games against, uh, like I said, they played out the two unders, um, even with two overtime periods played too. So a little bit of heavy legs from Nashville now traveling down to Florida where Tampa Bay, again, they're playing a back-to-back -back with both their home. I think Tampa Bay is going to end end up uh, kind of smashing them here. So I don't mind the minus 165 price. Um, I wouldn't mind the puck line either. I think that they kind of get it done. So those are my two NHL plays. I got Friday night Chicago Blackhawks, and I got Saturday night uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So moving on, I saved it for last because everyone who knows me, um, even people that don't know me, um, have <laughs> one time I was at a party and people were like, hey, um, you're the college basketball guy, right? Well, I'll gladly take it. So uh, let's get into it. Let's go Friday night to the Horizon League. Let's get Cleveland State minus five and a half. Ken Palm has seven. Torvik has six. I have eight. So I, really anything under eight in my mind is real value. So why do we want this? It's a big bounce back spot here for Cleveland State. They've been awesome in the conference. They're nine and two. They have covers against um, you know all the good teams in their conference, including uh, one night where I backed them as they were a big dog to Wright State. That was, at the time, their only in-conference. No, excuse me, they actually ended up winning outright. So Cleveland State I have is 165 uh, in my metrics. Uh, Wright State's about in the top 70 somewhere. Um, of course, that list is ever-changing, so I don't want to hold myself to a number right now. But yeah, Wright State's a way better team, and they ended up beating them. Now, then they played two against Milwaukee, and they were winning by 13 with 159 left. Uh, that is a complete choke job. It's one of those things where uh, that should never happen, and they ended up losing in overtime by one point. So it's something that they had a, a real chance to be 10-1 in the conference, and uh, they ended up losing to a really inferior Milwaukee team. They're coming right off of that. Um, I think we're getting Cleveland out of discount because of that meltdown, and we're paying a little bit of a premium on, on Green Bay, who are 5-2 and two in their last seven, but all their games were against lower teams, and the two losses were a sweep to Detroit Mercy, who are pretty bad. They were Division Two a couple years ago, so it's one of those things where I really don't see it with Green Bay. Both teams play really slow pace. Cleveland State has a nasty defense. Also, their only path to making the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2009, and 
that is to really win this regular season crown, which they have a couple games up on Wright State. So I think it's going to be one of those things where Cleveland State really comes out motivated. They play them really hard. I kind of toyed around with taking this in the first half instead of full game, mainly to protect against uh, another bounce back, or excuse me, another letdown. Um, but, you know, can't happen twice, right? So um, you're definitely going to want to follow us on Twitter. I might also be playing uh, first half. Or you could actually follow me on a Action Network, which I should put in the show notes because um, I am career 54% on everything. So it is one of those things. I'm pretty sure you could just follow my username and you could just really be up to date. But, of course, it's no, it's by no means a pick service. It's just something that, you know, it, it's what's going on in my personal bankroll. So if you care about it's kind of more of a, a ha-ha, look how right I was kind of thing. So I think the motivation here is for Cleveland, the Cleveland State Vikings. Um, I like it up to seven, but I've been seeing some five and a halfs already. If you get it right now, under seven, I think that's great. Under six is great. And then, of course, um, refer to the rules that I said in the beginning of the episode um, for anything above that. So the next one I'm going to go for, I couldn't believe this number. And, of course, it's not official yet because it's a Saturday game. And it, sportsbooks have yet to open it. But I really hope we get some more around here, and that will be Auburn plus 17. Uh, the number actually shocked me. I thought it would be about 11. Um, it's one of those things where the books, it's kind of s similar to what I was saying in the NFL episodes. You've got to update your metrics. Auburn has been pretty bad this year, but it's one of those things where the reason they were bad was um, they had a... It's one of those things where in the NCAA, they, I, of course, I'm by no, no means a news reporter. It's just kind of, you know, me kind of adding to the handicap. But Auburn, they violated something with the NCAA, and they gave themselves a, air quote, self-imposed ban. So they cannot make the, they're not going to the NCAA tournament. No matter what happens, they've withdrawn themselves from consideration. So a lot of people thought, okay, their um, five-star point guard freshman Sharif Cooper won't play at all, right? Wrong. He's actually played six games. He's amazing. Uh, he's. I think that when he lines up against Baylor, who is full of All-Americans, it's one of those things, um, like I've been saying, Baylor's the best team in the nation by a lot. It's Baylor-Gonzaga, 1A and 1B, and then the rest. And it's one of those things where, yes, Baylor has a bunch of All-Americans, but I really think Sharif Cooper might be the third best player on the court. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and it's one of those things, players in the past that have drank the Kool-Aid on, um, Trey Young and Buddy Heald, two Oklahoma boys that I've always that I buy into. I buy into the guy that looks like he could play in the NBA tomorrow. And Sharif Cooper is one of those things. Um, Auburn has really changed ever since uh, they have allowed Cooper to play and not redshirt. They're four and two with a four point loss to Alabama, which is uh, I'll get back to Alabama in a little bit, and a two point loss at Arkansas, which is by no means. Both of those those losses and the margin of loss is not bad at all. That's actually way overperforming, and they just beat a good Mizzou team as well. Um, they weren't expecting to have Cooper. They have this self-imposed ban. Now let's look at Baylor. They are amazing. They could really, if Baylor played as hard as they can all the time, they could beat any team in the nation pretty much by 40 if they wanted to. Actually, they just beat Kansas State by 40 the other day. But it's one of those things where this is kind of their port in the storm. This is the SEC Big 12 Challenge. doesn't really mean a lot. This isn't even like a quad win for Baylor if they were to win. They have, after this, they have to play at Texas, which I, maybe they're circling a little bit. A little bit of a rivalry game. Texas is very good. They're a top 10 Ken Palm team this year. And then they get four, and then they get a little break against TCU. And then they have four straight quad A games. I think it's one of those things where, not saying it's a look ahead, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit of a look ahead. I think Baylor wins this game definitely. Um, maybe by 11, but by 17, and I've, I even saw some, some 19s based on uh, Torvik and stuff. I just don't have it. Maybe I'm buying into Sharif Cooper too much, but I do like Auburn. Um, 
my numbers have them getting 17 and so does Ken Palm. So it's one of those things. Um, if we, if somehow if we get this around like 20 or so, people don't know who Sharif Cooper is. I think that'd be great. So, um, I'm going to go Auburn plus the points. Um, I don't think I would go lower than like 14 and a half. So, uh, for, for the pot, I'm going to say 17, but of course, um, I'm going to just in my notes, adjust it to whatever it opens as because I'm suggesting it here. Um, next play, I'm going to go to Texas. Like I had just said, they're a top 10 team in Ken Palm. Um, Ken Palm actually makes this game Texas minus four on the road in Kentucky. Like I had said, during the educational portion, people see the name Kentucky and they go, yep, they're going to win. Kentucky is horrible this year. I'm sorry if you're a Kentucky fan and you're going to be coming at me, whatever, bring it on. Um, they are 278th in assists to turnover ratio, which means that they turn the ball over more than they actually have a dish for a basket. They are 310th in the nation in three-point percentage. They've actually only made 74 threes all year, which is um, horrible. And then they're 280th overall in field goal percentages. This is not your father's Kentucky. This is not your older brother's Kentucky. This isn't even your Kentucky from last year or two years ago. Um, they're actually brutal. They're going on name value alone. I think that this should, if this was in Texas, this would be like, this should be Texas, like minus like 12 or 13. Um, you know, in Rupp Arena, okay, fine. Maybe they have a little bit of magic left with all those one and dones from years past you know, in the rafters still. So I don't know, maybe I'd make it Texas minus six and a half, seven, somewhere in there, but not four. I think four is a little bit insane. Um, Texas should be getting back Jericho Sims and Ra and Ramey. And of course, coach Shaka Smart, who tested positive for COVID, he should be done with that. Um, assuming that his recovery goes well, of course, I don't want to downplay that uh, because it is, you know, kind of a serious thing. So assuming that they get Jericho Sims, Ramey, and Chaka Smart back, I'll be monitoring that closely. And then, of course, anything under seven, I think, is a, a, a sheer fire winner on Texas there. And then, of course, I want to bring it up mainly for the show entertainment value and also for the I want to, I'll pay until I'm wrong kind of thing. We're going the Drake Bulldogs minus 18. I uh, don't love the number. I've seen some other projections come out as 19. So 18 is good, I think. Um, I think we're finally paying the premium because here we go. Drake, they're 15-0 as are Gonzaga and Baylor. But Drake is 15-0 against the spread. Proof that they care about being 15-0 against the spread. Last night against Missouri State, they were up four. The spread was four and a half. Six seconds left. Breakaway Roman Penn puts... Gage Prim on a poster, and one, they go up by seven, and then they let up a meaningless layup to win by five. I think that the players knew, uh, conspiracy time, put on your tinfoil hats, the players knew that they were four and a half point favorites, and they wanted to run it up a little bit. Why else would you have a breakaway? He could have dribbled out, he could have dribbled out the clock, honestly, and they would have won by four, and it would have been fine, they wouldn't have covered, but he got that look in his eye, looked at the scoreboard, and then went up for a jam. And of course, if he went for a lazy layup too, uh, Gage Prim is going to pin that against the backboard. So it was one of those really cool plays. Roman Penn is someone that I want to, uh, I, I toyed around with actually making some segments in the future where I want to call out spotlights, guys to remember, things like that. Uh, Roman Penn, point guard on Drake Bulldogs, is excellent. I think he deserves to play at the next level. Um, even if his path isn't going to be a lottery pick, I think that he could definitely grind his way to the NBA or at the very least the G League or Euro League or something like that. He's very good. That's the point that I'm getting at. But, yeah, I'm officially leaning uh, Drake minus 18. I'll make it a, a play during these football offseason episodes. But, yeah, and let me just recap it right now overall in – Hockey, we got Chicago minus 110 on Friday. We got Tampa Bay minus 165 on Saturday. And then on the court, we got Cleveland State minus 5.5 on Sunday.
On Friday, Saturday, we got Auburn plus 17. We got Texas minus 4. And then Sunday, we got Drake minus 18. So, of course, if you guys like this, let us know. Give us some feedback. Um, Twitter, Instagram, at WinningTAXPod. You could just do it in whatever podcast feed you're listening to. You could just drop a comment. You could say, I hate you, you suck. Or you could say whatever. Just give us five stars. So that, um, you know what, if you want to clown me, if you think I'm horrible, uh, give a five-star review and your best insult I'll read live on our show next week. Of course, you're going to want to definitely stay stay um, subscribed to us for the Super Bowl episode. We're very excited for it. There's already been chatter in there. If you're a long-time listener to the show, and I think you can guess who's backing who, I've yet to make my determination for the full game. I am going to be attacking the props, though, very heavily. So... Looking forward to that, and of course, look forward to more content like this. I know this is the first time that we've really had a long, extended audio of other sports, and it's going to be something, too, that we're going to be putting out more frequently, and of course, leading up to uh, the Patreon, which we're going to be launching, where there's going to be a lot of extra goodies like this if you want to hear something similar um, to the betting strategy portion of this, where um, you know, I'm going to kind of talk through how I do things. Um, you know, I, I was even saying that I'm going to record myself kind of thinking out loud, adjusting my power rankings. Uh, you know, taking away a half a point, giving a half point here and there, things like that. I know Joe, John, and Zach are also excited about getting out more audio and uh, kind of utilizing what we do well, which is giving you audio content to help you win and also teach you how to gamble and be profitable just like us. So, of course, this was the Winning Ticket Podcast, the Winning Ticket Show, um, because now we're going to be venturing into more than just podcasts where having fun is minus 1,000.